on that, page 549. In those Bibles, Romans 6, if you're using your own. And um, this is what we find in Romans 6, or these words, verse 1 beginning. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were baptized, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's pretty good news right there, by the way, if you aren't picking up on that. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead in sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your word says, that we have been crucified with Jesus, that he didn't just die for us, but we died with him, Lord God. Thank you for that reality. Thank you for that truth. And Lord, I pray that you would take my feeble, stammering tongue, Lord God, and use it somehow to bring light to that truth, to bring glory to you for what you have done through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that today that that not just these who would be baptized, but others, others among us, Lord, would find brand new life, freedom from the death that sin promises, that is always the end result of sin. Let them find brand new life, brand new forgiveness in the name and in the holy work and in the holy cross of Jesus Christ. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, this morning, this passage of of Scripture that we read, Paul begins with a rhetorical question. He asks if Christ's death is enough to forgive all of our sin, and do you believe that it is? Do you believe that his death is enough to forgive all of our sin? He says, if it's enough to forgive all of our sin and that our sin is that that our sin now serves to show the magnitude of his grace. What does that mean? That means as bad of a sinner as I can be. And let me tell you, just ask my wife. I'm good at sin. It's one of my my most my most well-crafted talents is sinning. I'm telling you, I'm good at it. But. But no matter how good, no matter how depraved my sin can be, His grace is much more. His grace is infinitely bigger, infinitely better, infinitely more capable than I am of sinning. That's an amazing thought. And Paul says if this is true, 
If this is true that my sin shows the magnitude of His grace, shouldn't we just sin more so that His grace will be more evident? Well, his response to that question is amazing. He says this, By no means. By no means do we continue in sin just to show grace. Some translations that you might have say absolutely not. And some even say, God forbid that we should continue in sin. You can almost hear Paul's revulsion, the churning in his stomach in his answer. The, like the, the thought is so absurd. He, he responds to this question in the absurdity of the thought that we should continue in sin. He, he reacts in the same way as if someone suggested they should have a big bowl of spiders for lunch or they should go skydiving without a parachute. That's kind of the whole reaction he has to the absurdity of the thought. But why? Why does he react that way? Because on the surface, that rhetorical argument makes plenty of sense. If if my sin highlights God's grace, then bring on the depravity, right? Right? No! Paul's answer helps us to understand, to truly understand what Jesus did for us on the cross. He says that on the cross, not only did Jesus die... But he says when Christ was crucified that you and I, brace yourself for some good news, that you and I died to sin. That we died when he died. He's opening up this brand new horizon for us to consider. We talked about this a little bit last week, but Jesus wasn't sacrificed merely so that we could be freed from the guilt of sin. That that sense of, of our own lostness. He, he didn't die just so we could be free from that and, and, and get over the feeling of our guilt and even the, the real legal implications of our guilt. That's not why he died simply for forgiveness. But he died so that we wouldn't only be freed from guilt, but that we would be freed from the absolute power of sin. That our lives would be transformed and we would literally be new creations in Christ. That we'd be new So I'm not trying to get pushy with you this morning, but if you're sitting here today and you're claiming to be a believer and you're exactly as you were before you made that claim, you are not a believer. Because the power of sin was broken by his cross. I'm not saying you don't struggle here and there, but I'm telling you that there are differences that begin to happen when somebody has been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. How did this happen? Romans 6 says this. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that this body of sin might be brought to nothing and that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. See, Christ wasn't just crucified for us, as I said earlier, but those of us who have believed in him, who have believed this gospel, were judiciously crucified with him. Not just Him for us, but we were crucified with Him to accomplish, Paul says here, a twofold goal. The first goal was that the overriding authority of our fallen nature, oh, this is good news, would be brought to nothing. That means that this this flesh that is constantly pulling on me to do things that I know that I'm going to regret, that the Bible says the wages of which are death, that the power of that flesh would be brought to absolutely nothing. All of its power to veto God's will in my life would be nullified by the cross. All of it. 
And finally, by grace, I would be enabled to submit to Christ's lordship. And the second thing that we see here is that we would no longer be slaves. See, if you're in sin right now to your, if you're, if you're in the, the mire of addiction and the mire of, of, of bad habits, the mire of, of all of that garbage, you are a slave, the Bible says, to every whim, every lust, every desire of that sinful nature. And you tell yourself over and over and over, this is the last time I can quit any time I want. And you know you're lying to yourself. You know it. But by the power of the cross, to those who have been crucified with Christ, the enslavement to our sinful nature is finished. The emancipation proclamation was written 2,000 years ago in the blood of Jesus as it spilled from the cross on Calvary. You are free from sin if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Paul, in his letter to Titus, little letter, three chapters, said this so beautifully. Let me share this with you. Titus 2.11, he says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Now watch this verse 12 very very carefully. It says that this grace that's appeared is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Why is that important? Because most of you have felt like that it was the law that would get your act together, Right? You, we've focused on the thou shalt nots. We put the law to work to guilt ourselves into, into better, more upright morality. And the Bible says that the law was given just simply to point you in your sinfulness to Jesus. That was its purpose. But we see, we gravitate to the law. Oh, I'm, I'm a liar. Thou shalt not lie. If I think about that, then I won't be a liar. And you find out that that lying just keeps going and going and going. But Paul says here, that it is not the law, but that it is grace. It's grace that trains us to renounce ungodliness. I love the way the NIV says it. It says that God's grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So what is he saying? Paul is saying this to Titus. He's saying that, that it's that amazed meditation that that Katie saying about earlier about being overwhelmed by God that amazed meditation upon the appearance of God's grace as opposed to his law through the perfect work of Jesus on the cross that works in you to compel righteous behavior I'm telling you the more you fall in love with Jesus the less you'll fall in love with sin I'm telling you it's a it's a fact that that consideration, that meditation works in us to compel righteous behavior. Because when we're looking at Jesus, when our eyes are focused on Jesus, it, it is an obedience born of grateful love instead of just an avoidance based on the fear of wrath. God provided, so what is this all about? God provided this ordinance of baptism so that members of his church can testify to the fact that they have been made dead to sin by the grace of Jesus Christ. Romans 3 says it like this. Romans 6, 3 verse, we just read this, says it like this. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Today, this is so much fun. Today, eight precious people are going to acknowledge 
publicly that they have been crucified with Christ and that the power of sin is broken in their lives. Now, this doesn't mean that they're never going to sin again. It means something even better than that, if you can imagine. It means that they now have the legal grounds against their own flesh when they do sin. And then they have the grounds to remember the symbolic moment when they testified before all of you to their faith in the Lord Jesus and their abandonment of the folly of this world, their own flesh, and of the devil. Each one of them, each one of the eight are going to enter into this watery grave to make proclamation of where their treasure is in the beauty of their Savior and of their Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor Dave and I are going to covenantally place them under the water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this, baptism, now think about this, baptism has more in common with a funeral than anything else. But what a funeral. What a funeral. See, a funeral you usually go to, it ends in sadness and mourning and tears and brokenheartedness and sorrow. But not this one. An acknowledgement of our death is only half of what's proclaimed in Romans. And that's why this is such a happy occasion. Romans 6 verse 4 says this, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So they're dying today. They're dying to sin. But guess what? They're coming up as a brand new person. They're coming up as a brand new person. He says in verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly, everybody say certainly, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. After we place them under this water, symbolically, we will raise them up to walk, as Paul says in his words, in newness of life. Christ was crucified because of sin, not his own, yours and mine, but he was crucified because of sin, but he was raised to the glory of God. And these two, these two, these eight people here, these eight people are demonstrating that the wages of their sin is death. But by God's goodness, by God's goodness and to his glory, This morning they will rise as brand new creations. Praise God. And so this is what Paul says about that. He says, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. That means his death, his life is good enough for all of you. So you must Also, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So let me say something to those of you who are waiting to be baptized. I pray this morning, and we have prayed this morning, that you sense the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in this act of obedience you're about to take. I pray that you're encouraged by the claps, the shouts, the celebration of the body of Christ around you. But more than anything, I charge you, as your pastor, I charge you in the name of Jesus that from this day forward, in success and failure, in your good days and your bad days, in joy and sadness, that you consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and start. If we can get some house lights up there, Cameron. Um, our first baptism this morning is a little bit of a uh, different situation. This uh, is Tom Welch. Everybody say hi to Tom. And Tom has been coming to uh, Northridge for several months now, and we have become really, really good friends. You agree with that, right? I, w- I want people to know that you actually are my friend. So Tom and I have become friends, and, and uh, I love hanging out with Tom. And we've had really some great conversations about the gospel. And um, Tom indicated to me last uh, a, a few weeks ago that he wanted to be baptized. And, and so I said, okay, let's talk about that. And we talked about that, and he understands uh, what Christ has done for him and, and the regeneration that, that Christ has wrought in his life. Now, but uh, you may wonder what we're about to do here. Tom, uh, some time ago, had a pretty severe stroke, and so he was not able to get into our tank that we have for baptism. So we, I want to make this clear for those of you who are theological, you know, nitpickers. We are an immersion church. We immerse people. We dunk them. Tom has physical limitations that will limit that. So I am going to to baptize him with this bottle of water right here. And we're going to baptize him just like we would if he were in the tank in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to raise him up to newness of life. So, Tom, I've got some questions for you. You ready? Okay. Tom, I want to know, do you believe that... Paul, will you come be my mic holder over here? I, I want to know if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Yes. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he rose again three days later, conquering death forever? Yes. Uh, do you uh, do you believe or do you hope in him only, him alone, for all of your salvation and the hope of eternal life? Yes. And one last question. Are you committed to live your life as his disciple, obeying his word and living out his love? Yes. Tom, on the profession of your faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mr. Tyler, are you ready? It's been it's been such a joy just to hear testimonies um, of how these these guys have come to know and understand the gospel and what Jesus has done for them. And, and come to recognize who they are in Jesus. And, uh, and the Lord's been working on Tyler for, for multiple years now. Um, going back to children's church, man, this is why we, this is why we're so passionate about teaching our kids the gospel, because they're hearing it, they're responding, they're being, they're being saved and transformed. And, uh, and the Lord was faithful to meet Tyler as he was hearing the gospel in kids' church and to save him, and he is, ready this morning um, to declare to his church family 
um, that he wants to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus with all his heart. So, um, so come come stand right here next to me, buddy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some of the same questions, um, and uh, you can just answer for me, Tyler. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus? lived a perfect life of obedience in your place, and that he died for your sin and was raised from the dead? Yes. And uh, are you trusting in Jesus and in Jesus alone um, for your salvation and for your, for your hope, for your forgiveness of sins? Yes. And do you commit by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit to be a disciple of the Lord and to obey his word and to live out his love? Yes. And Tyler, on that profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and raise you to walk in newness of life. Mr. Dylan, this is Dylan. Don't jump in all the way yet. It's it's cold. Your brother found that out. This is this is Tyler's uh, older brother, Dylan, and just like his brother, uh, he has made a commitment that he wants to follow after the Lord, and he wants to make a public confession uh, this morning that Jesus Christ uh, is his Lord and Savior, and that in Jesus and through Jesus. He is he is walking in newness of life. And so I'm going to ask you the same questions that I asked your brother. Uh, Dylan, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life of obedience in your place, that he died for your sin and rose from the grave? Yes. And are, and are you trusting in Jesus and in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for the hope of salvation? Yes. And are you committed by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit to be his disciple, to follow after him wholeheartedly and to obey his word and to live out his love? Yes. And based on that profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, And I raise you up to walk in newness of life. (laughs) That's why it's padded. (laughs) All right, Miss Lacey Ritter. It's really warm in here. This is this is my friend. Uh, Lacey Ritter, very soon to be Mrs. Lacey Kimker. Um, and she has not been with us here at Northridge for a real long time. Um, she recently moved to Lubbock from uh, Memphis, Tennessee, and she's representing this morning. Um, but can I just say, and I, I am so proud of what God has been doing in her heart, in her life. It says in First Thessalonians, um, Paul talks about the Thessalonians and about their conversion, and, and he says um, how they 
turned away from serving idols and they turned to serve the living and the true God. And, and I can just tell you guys that I have seen testimony of that in her life that she has, she has turned away from her old former self and she is ready to follow after Jesus. And, uh, and one of the things she said to me that was just so awesome to hear is that she's, she's never felt like she's really belonged to a church family until she came here to Northridge. And so, so she is ready this morning, um, to confess and proclaim to her church family, um, that she's ready to follow after the Lord and to live in a way that's pleasing to him uh, as his disciple. And so I'm going to ask you the same questions. Um, Lacey, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus um, lived a perfect life of obedience in your place and that he forgave your sins by dying on the cross and rose from the grave? Yes. Do you... Uh, trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for your hope of salvation. Yes. And are you committed by the grace of God, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to be a disciple of the Lord, to follow after him with your whole heart, and to trust him completely for your forgiveness and for the hope of eternal life? Yes. And step forward for me just a little bit. Based on your profession, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And raise you to walk in newness of life. Shelly Billingsley, and um, we've known each other. How long have we known each other now? Me? Oh. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably, probably known. So you want to give Phoenix? Yeah. yeah. So, so I've known Shelly for probably a little over a year, and um, we've become really great friends. She showed up uh, one day at church and gave her heart to Jesus that same day, and, and from that moment forward, we've uh, we've talked and and. Uh, She's had lots of questions about Scripture and the Bible, and man, I've just uh, watched her just grow in grace and faith. And um, so I talked to her about this time around, and she she knew it was time that it was time to be baptized. And so she's freezing to death. So I'm going to speed this up for her. So, Shelly, we are so glad that this is the day that you're going. I'm going to ask you, like uh, David, to scoot up as far as you can. There you go, um, Shelly. Do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that he lived a perfect life, that he died for your sins, and that he rose again from the third day, conquering death forever? Yes. Excuse me. Do you place your hope in him and him alone for eternal life and for the hope of uh, and and for the hope of your salvation? Yes. And Shelley, one last question: Are you committed to live your life as his disciple, uh, obeying his word and living out his love? Yes. Then, upon your profession. Baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I raise you up to walk in newness of life.
Our next is uh, Phoenix Lundstrom, and um, she has actually wanted to share a little bit of her testimony, so we're going to let her do that right now. Phoenix, you might want to do it outside so you don't have to freeze to death. Yeah, I need my glasses for it. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I became his on uh, July 7th, uh, 2017, and he has just poured grace into my life. It's amazing. And early on, I wrote down something that I found recently. It said, what do I want to be known for? Faith in God, mercy, joy, making the most of what God has given me, and faithfulness. And I'm asking you as my dear brothers and sisters to hold me accountable for this as I go forward as a disciple of Christ. All right. (laughs) That's all right. Here, give me a hand. Oh, no, you're fine. Just scoot up all the way over here. <laughs> just, tell them, just tell them that's the Holy Spirit. So anyway. All right, Phoenix, we are so glad. I've just really enjoyed also getting to know Phoenix. She started coming when we came over to Northridge, and she has just been a faithful servant of the church. She's been just such a sweet uh, heart and spirit that uh, everybody just is connected to so quickly. So we're so glad that this is we get to do this today. Yes. So let's just let's just uh, ask you these same questions. Uh, Phoenix, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, I do. Okay. Do you believe or, or do you believe that he lived a perfect life, that he died for your sins as a substitutionary sacrifice for your sins, and that he rose again forever defeating and conquering death? Yes, I do. Okay. Do you um, put all of your hope only in him for the forgiveness of sin and your hope of eternal life? Yes, I do. Praise God. Do you also commit before this congregation to live your life as his disciple, obeying his word and living out his love? Yes, I do. All right. Then, Phoenix, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I raise you up to walk in newness of life. All right, Kevin. All right. We had, we had. (laughs) Breathe deep. (laughs) All right. This is Kevin Smith. And, um, man, we have just become such great friends over the last couple of years. And um, our, our first connection was Star Wars. I have to be honest with you. And so he, he was a major Star Wars uh, junkie, as was I. And so we became really good friends. But over the uh, the course of the last couple of years, our friendship has become much, much deeper. And um, we've talked a lot about God and his plans for Kevin's life. And Kevin has made a, a very clear indication to me of how he has placed all of his trust in Jesus. And so I'm going to let you get a chance to hear what he has to say about that as well as I ask him these questions. Kevin, do you believe with all of your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Do you, excuse me, do you uh, believe that he died on the cross for your sins, taking away your sins, and that he rose again three days later, um, defeating death forever? Yes. Are you uh, placing uh, all of your hope and all of your trust in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins and for the hope of eternal life? Yes. And are you committed, Kevin, 
to live the rest of your days as his disciple, obeying his word and living out his love? Yes. Then, Kevin, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I raise you up to newness of life. All right, we have we have one more, and he also wanted to share a testimony, so we're going to let him do that. And this is this is Paul. Now, Paul is part of our staff here, and I just want to tell you a little bit uh, about Paul. Paul, after we uh, preached a few weeks ago about baptism, Paul came to me and said, you know, I, I and, and everyone who knows Paul knows how he trusts the Lord and has trusted him for his salvation. But he said, you know, when I first was baptized as a child, I knew nothing about this. And he says, I want to make a stand and, and uh, be baptized as a testimony that I, I am trusting Jesus alone. And so we, we could not be happier to give him that opportunity. Amen. And so, Paul, go ahead. I'm glad this water is cold, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, um, uh, as Mark was, was saying, uh, my mom and my dad both saw me be baptized when I was 15. Um, and if you had asked me the same questions that Mark's about to ask me, um, then I would have said yes to all of those things. But I had really no clue as to what any of that really meant. You see, I, I wasn't I wasn't saved to Jesus and the gospel. I was saved to what Matt Chandler calls moralistic therapeutic deism. I was saved to morality. I thought that that everything depended upon me and that, you know, Jesus was nice enough to kind of buy my way in. But now that I'm in there, I need to roll my sleeves up and just get to work about staying there. But but you, five years ago, uh, many of you do know my testimony God took a gun out of my mouth. He saved my life, literally, not just in, in the, the spiritual sense, but literally physically saved my life. Uh, he, he set me free from bondage to, to alcoholism, to, to drug addiction, uh, to porn addiction. And I, I'm, not, I'm not enslaved to any of those things today. Uh, he, he took my life and he gave me a, a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids. Um, he, he's restored me. And he's, he's given me a new hope and a new purpose. And all of that hope is completely and utterly in him. It's not, there's nothing special about the water. Like we said earlier, it's, it's tap water. I filled this tank. I can assure you there's nothing special about it. Um, but, but my hope's not in what the water is symbolizing today. My, my hope is in Jesus. And then when I, when I'm, I'm dead and I'm gone from this earth, you know, when I was, I was going through cancer. I had a, a, a night when I first got diagnosed that I was in the hospital by myself and Narcy had finally got the chance to go home and get some sleep with the kids. And I was, I was just thinking in my head, you know, the enemy had come and attacked me and I was like, God, you know, I, I, this can't be the way it ends. This, I, I can't go out like this, God. I just, I find everything up to this point was just ridiculous bull crap. I, I didn't get it up until now. And, and it was in that moment that the Lord confirmed in my life, whether I had five minutes or, or 500 years left, I was going to point people to Jesus with every last breath that I had going forward. So this is no different today. I'm pointing you to the one where all of my hope is, and that's in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I love you, Paul. I want to ask you, do you believe with all of your heart, that big old heart of yours, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes, I do. Do you place, uh, or do you believe rather, that he, he lived a perfect life, that he died a substitutionary sacrificial death for you, and that he rose again on the third day to conquer death forever? Yes, I do. And do you place all of your hope in him for forgiveness and for the hope of eternal life? Yes, I do. And are you committed, Paul, before this congregation of witnesses to, co- to be committed to be his disciple and to obey his word and to live out his love? Yes, I do. Then upon your profession of faith, 
I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I raise you up. Yeah!